Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders who are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders of teams who are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and creating life-changing years for the people they lead. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United, part of the Jepson Performance Group. Video segments of this and other episodes of the podcast can be found at Sales Leadership United, hosted on Patreon. Think of Sales Leadership United like a Home Depot for sales leaders. It's a comprehensive resource for sales leaders with over 100 hours of tools, training, and insights sorted and tagged into every category you might need to help you become an elite sales leader. A private podcast, sales leadership training, sales meeting insights, video insights, and much more are waiting for you to check out at Sales Leadership United. Don't reinvent sales leadership. Tap into proven tools and techniques used by many of today's most successful sales leaders and check out Sales Leadership United today. Now, get ready for some serious insights from this week's sales leader who's making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, I'm bringing a sales leader I have really been looking forward to getting on the show. Tim Strickland is the Chief Revenue Officer for Zoom Info. Now, Zoom Info has been doing some really amazing things that I'm excited to dive into with Tim. But Tim's had a super impressive background and run of leading sales teams with great success. And I can't wait to hear some of the stories today. Because under Tim's leadership, Zoom Info has had remarkable run in almost every single revenue metric. Seriously, we're going to kind of dive into a couple of them today. The, the success that's happening there is a head turner. And today, Zoom Info generates more than $1 billion in ARR, is experiencing rapid and predictable and exciting growth. And it's one of those companies that you can't not acknowledge. I am super excited to have Tim, the architect of this success, join us today and talk about how to provide strong leadership in a time where kind of scary changes are happening all around. Tim, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining me. Rob, thanks for having me. I'm excited to dig in with you. Yeah, it's going to be awesome, man. I, I want to first congratulate you for your success and thank you for joining us. Why don't you start by um, just introducing Zoom Info to our listeners? You got 40,000 sales leaders uh, listening to you. Uh, maybe you could just introduce Zoom Info and what it is you do for your customers. Yeah, for sure. Um, Zoom Info is a technology platform, Rob, that helps our, our customers find their next customer. So we, we typically sell to sales leaders, marketing leaders, operations leaders, uh, go-to-market leaders and organizations who are trying to accelerate growth, um, which you know is part of the reason why I'm, I love to be here and part of the reason why I'm glad we're having this conversation. Yeah, and your company does. Like I'm very familiar with your, with your company. You guys have a really killer product. I think the service you provide is fantastic. Uh, it, it's one of those companies that like, if you haven't become aware of it, I would tell our listeners, probably someone you ought to take a look at because uh, I think you guys do a terrific job in what you do. Yeah, it's phenomenal. We're, you know, we're about 25,000 customers you know, across verticals. So I think if, if people are out there trying to find their next customer in a variety of digital ways, you should definitely check us out. For sure. Let's talk about you for a sec before we dive into our topic of the day. Um, 
you know, I, I'm still looking for that person that when they were a little kid said, when I grow up, I'm going to be in sales. I, I'm still looking for that person, man. Uh, I, I'm not that person, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's one of the things that everybody kind of gravitates to. We're all kind of accidentally involved, but then we become yeah. intentionally in, in successful because it's the greatest profession in the world, in, in my sure. opinion. Um, can you tell us how you got involved just at a high level? What's your sales story and how that leads you to where you are now? Yeah, I actually graduated from undergrad, Rob, with a history degree. Okay. Um, I thought I wanted to go to law school, realized I didn't want to go to law school, um, and then worked my way into real estate development as a first kind of career. Wow. Um, did that for a couple of years, but then, you know, being in the Silicon Valley, I'm based in the Bay Area, technology just is all around you all the time. And what, what I found is that, you know, the startup world in general is just highly dynamic and I wanted to be a part of a dynamic environment. And so I went to someone who I actually still consider a mentor um, about kind of career transition, ended up joining a Series B funded technology startup in, in an enterprise sales capacity um, and then kind of worked my way to where I am today. The rest is history. Yeah. I love it. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a cool story. And, and I appreciate you sharing it because I think, I think that that's going to dovetail in nicely to what we're talking about. So you've been in sales from the get-go because even if you're doing you know, the real estate side, you're selling. And, sure. uh, and we have in these 40,000 listeners, it's not just tech, it's everything, yeah. man. Totally. We have people in manufacturing and finance and tech and real estate and, and everything is here. So I, I'm glad that you shared that. So your story is even more relevant to people as we talk. So, so let's talk for a second in your run as being a leader, because you've done some great things for over what, three and a half years at Zoom, Zoom Info. Is that about right? Yeah, that's about right. Before that, you know, other really great companies, you, you have a really impressive uh, background. You've, 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 you've had some really cool things happen to you. You've seen a lot of different conditions in the market. Is that a fair thing to say? You've had to learn to navigate. It's really good. And now we got to go super fast and it's really scary, but we still have to find ways to go fast without getting in trouble and everything in between, right? Yeah, for sure. I think selling in dynamic environments is one of the reasons that, you know, it drew me to tech, but drew me to sales. So yeah, we've seen, we've seen a lot of different, different sides of the equation. So we're going into a time where it was not very, very long ago. It was like hire as many people as you can, as fast as you can. It was the word I've, I've, I've used sometimes. It was almost reckless. People are, you know, the A players were always in, in up for grabs, but all of a sudden the B players and the C players are getting A player money, right? Because people are hiring. So I, I look, for those of you in Sales Leadership United, you'll see Tim smiling right now because he's like, oh man, yes. And, and now, like, unfortunately, I'm seeing a lot of companies that are saying, man, now we got to pare back a little bit. And there's some indicators that more change is probably still coming. As a leader, how do you be that steady hand, um, even though chaos may be happening all over the place? Yeah, I think one, I think you mentioned it in your opening in that question. One, I do think companies were out there irresponsibly hiring in many cases. And so I think what you're seeing is a little bit of a return to the mean where yeah. companies just are, are being forced, whether it's from expense management or other, um, to hire way more responsibly and, and really have 
a good sense for for where they're resourcing and why um and be able to like roll that up to the board or roll that up to the cfo and do it with confidence so i think part of part of that is just kind of natural i think the other part of it rob though in and you mentioned sort of being a steady hand. I think part of it is not giving yourself or your team the excuse that like all of this chaos is happening around us. We still have to go find ways to execute. And if we have to go find different ways to execute because dynamics are changing around us, then so be it. But in order to continue to deliver, like we have to find ways to execute. And so doing that is always constant, regardless of sort of the market dynamic. So, you know, I think holding yourself and your organization accountable is just as important now as it is any other time. You just may have to find different ways to do it. I think that's really insightful. I want to sit on this idea of executing for a minute, if if you don't mind. You said that four or five times, and I really like it. Um, You know, it's not about strategizing. It's not about thinking. It's not about watching. I mean, all those things you do, obviously. Yeah. But you got to keep your people doing. And so how do you, I guess there's, there could go a lot of, of angles. Like, how do you create that culture of execution or as things are changing, what's the role of adapting? Like, I, I know yeah. that you talked about maybe the modern playbook, even like, is, is there even such a thing or is it more frameworks? Like what are the tools that a sales leader has? Like I, I just threw out three or four without yeah. even thinking, right? Like what are, like, as you think about like for a, you've had tremendous success. I, like I, I, I love the success stories that you have in good times and hard times and everything in between. What are those tools that sales leaders that are listening to us should be thinking about? Hey, these are your tools that will help you execute so your people can be executing. Does that make sense the way I ask that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could sell you Zoom info right now for about an hour, but I'm okay. not, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> um I I'm one of the things that you mentioned up front, Rob, was about culture. Yeah. That starts at the top. Um, and like way beyond me, right? Like, I think one of the things that Zoom info as a result of our founder and CEO and, and his immediate leadership team, we have built a culture, not only in the go-to-market organization, but across functions around execution hmm. and continued execution. And so, you know, we are constantly forced as an organization, both top down and bottom up to report on measure, understand the specifics, understand challenges, look for leading indicators, look for trailing indicators on where we need to go optimize our businesses. And so, you know, the culture associated with that, I think, you know, in good times is actually even harder because when you're kind of running really fast, you tend or many leaders can tend to take things for granted. Um, and you know, in crunch time, that's, that's where you're kind of forced to really peel the onion back to get to understand why things are happening the way they are or why things aren't happening the way you thought. And so bringing that type of focus, and I think building a framework, you mentioned framework, 
that exists that allows your leaders to provide that information on a regular basis and really do a thorough, examin a thorough examination of the business is really, really, really important for every business, no matter the cycle. And, and I think that Zoom Info, like the culture is out execute and the ways that we do that, I mentioned a couple just now. Yeah, I think that that's really, I want to, I want to keep talking about execution for a second because, yeah. because I think that that's easy to talk about. In fact, I think it's almost easy to pay lip service to. For sure. Right. And, um, and so how do you, like, as times change, any insights on how you like look at execution, like how you execute, like, for example, an easy, easy softball might be like when COVID first hit, yeah. all of a sudden selling over video became very important, like video conferencing, Zoom or Teams or yeah. whatever you choose to use. All yeah. of a sudden that became super important. Yeah. That was a new skill we had to learn. And, right. and, and so that was a different way of executing, like as a sales leader, as a really successful one of a big team, like you don't have a small team, you got a pretty big team. Yep. Um, how like forward looking and how often are you like reevaluating? Like what does execution even mean for your team? Cause you know, you, you have a great statement that you said when we were talking earlier, like there's two kinds of change and I'll let you finish it. Like the, like the, the two kinds of change. Right. And you can either be leading that charge or responding to what's happening around you. Yeah. How important is it for you to be like on high alert on what does good look like now? Yeah, I think like you brought up the COVID example. I think the, the interesting thing for us when that first happened is that we, you know, we're a pretty large inside sales organization anyway. So we were doing a lot of work over, over video calls already. already. Yep. That wasn't necessarily a change that we had to manage through, at okay. least in terms of the medium through which we were talking to prospective customers and customers. However, like we had to build a new kind of management framework in a very short period of time that allowed for information to get shared up, down, and across in ways that we hadn't done before remotely, right? And like, that's one of those things that as I look back, I'm pretty proud of because we, we imparted that change over a period of weeks and we saw productivity, you know, go through the roof. So like, that's one example. You mentioned, you know, how often are we, are we reevaluating what successful execution looks like? Yeah. That literally happens every day. Every talk day. Talk about that. Can we talk about that? Like, I yeah, love that. That sure. doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Because, because you guys have had so much success over a long period of time. Yeah. And, and, and I think that you have to be able to make adapting part of that culture that you talked about, right? For sure. No, for sure. And like um, buying habits change, right? All, all the time. Buying habits for a specific group of companies change all the time. New leaders come into organizations and have new initiatives all the time. And so I think, you know, as a leadership team, and I'll like, I'll give, so my boss is our president and COO, Chris Hayes. He, you know, he's actually the architect of this business. I'm sort of the facilitator of, of this yeah. business. Okay. Um, or one of the facilitators. And, you know, he, we have collectively built a framework across our sales leadership team, our marketing leadership team, our RevOps uh, leadership team that allows us to come together on a weekly basis, if not more, 
uh, you know, biweekly, three times a week, every day to examine NQL volume, right? NQL mix, lead mix, demos, conversion rates, opportunity counts, opportunity pipeline, cutting that by segment, cutting it by ASP, cutting it by product. And we're constantly looking at all of those parts of the business to understand what has changed and try to understand why, right? And that's kind of the framework that you talked about, which is different, I think, than the playbook, because the playbooks can be created offhand, or you can have some that you rely on, but the, but the playbooks get executed against the framework, right? So when we start to see some of those things change in real time, I'll give you another example. Yeah. Like, a, you know, a few months ago or a few quarters ago, we noticed that our mid-market lead volume in our new logo acquisition business wasn't closing at the same rate as it had in prior months, right? Just pure win rate in dollars. And halfway through the month, we figured that out and we were like, hey, listen, what happened? And we did kind of a lot of digging and we found out that we had made some changes to the router that were preventing leads from flowing to the right place. Well, you can't just like move those leads around, but what you can do is you can single out the reps who own them. You can give them a high propensity to buy list of the ops that they're managing. And you can go tell them to take them off the street because they need to be taken off the street, right? Like that is a play that we executed because we noticed something was failing and we had to do something like about it in a relatively quick period of time in order to deliver the financial target that we needed to go deliver. And if we hadn't had the framework available to us, we wouldn't have found that it was an issue and we wouldn't have been able to execute a solution. What a great story. You have to forgive me for being, for, for writing now. I love that story, man. But <clears throat> so I don't want specifics because uh, for obvious reasons, yeah, yeah, like sure. finding that and, and executing on that, what did that yeah. do for your business? Like generally? Yeah, it, like it, it at least got gets you back to the point where you expect to be when you plan, Rob, which is like what you want to be able to deliver, right? Right? Yes. But, but dynamics change and things around you change. And if you aren't attuned to those, then it becomes really difficult to do that over the long period of time, right? Yeah. So I've always said that I think, but it's funny, a lot of my clients that I work with or people call me, and they're either trying to get a sales leadership job or try to get promoted or whatever. They're, they ask me to help prep them for, for like their job interviews. Yeah. And, and I always ask them, what do you think the most important thing that you need to return as a sales leader is? Quite often it's like, it's a number or yeah. it's attainment. I'm like, it's not, it's predictability. Yeah. The number one thing you got to give is predictability. And so any thoughts about what you're talking about, how predictability layers into all of this because i've met plenty of people tim that they work hard they confuse <clears throat> being busy and working hard with what i'm going to say i like your word of execution working yeah. hard and execution are not the same thing right yep yeah and, i mean would you agree with that my first first of you disagree like is predictability you're a chief revenue officer you, you you're a public trade company how important is predictability for you it's probably it's out outside of making sure that my reps are properly resourced. It's the most important thing for me. All right. So I hope that people catch that. That's, that's a big thing for every one of our, of our listeners to hear, because if we could become more predictable, lot, like it doesn't mean that it has to be predictably good. It's just gotta yeah. be like predictable. What's going to happen. I'll, I'll tell a story. I was, I was doing an earnings call once 
and I missed our number positively by what the investors thought was an unacceptable number. Like I thought it was going to be a good news story. Like we're up yeah. so high. I was like, yeah, I'm super excited to tell you this. I delivered the message and our stock price went down. Yeah. And, and, um, and I was like, really like put in hot water for a while. They're like, Rob, you missed by too much. I'm like, yeah. but it was positive. Yeah. Like, nah, dude, th that's seen as lack of institutional control. Yeah. And, and so <laughs> any thoughts on that? Because right yeah. now, like the world's unpredictable, but we as sales leaders aren't allowed to be right. Yeah, I think, you know, look, don't get me wrong, like you catch tailwinds and you catch headwinds and you've got to fight through those things. But I think it goes back to the framework, like as long as you give yourself multiple opportunities to catch those things, you give yourself a chance, right? Or you give yourself the best chance. And if you if you aren't kind of maniacally focused on ways in which we can continue to push the boundaries of execution, and I think in my role, of making sure that I have my resources pointed in the most optimal direction and that we're looking for new ways to open up new channels of revenue, then like, I don't, I don't consider myself doing the best at what I can to, to provide success for the organization. So let's shift just a little bit right now, but I think it falls under this lens that we're looking through, Tim. So we have busy jobs. You have busy jobs. You're a chief revenue officer of a big company, but every one of our listeners, that's a sales leader. A sales leadership job is a busy job. Fair yeah. to say? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it, it's one that you take home with you. Well, even if you're not working from home, when you're working from yeah. even now, you, sure. you take it home everywhere you go. Um, people always are talking about time management as it relates to reps and salespeople, like get yeah. more time selling. Yep. How important is that for a leader? Um, the get more time selling or time management, the time management for a, for a sales, for a sales leader, because we're pulled in so many different directions. It's easy to get spread thing, right? Yeah, for sure. I like the way that I think about it is if, if I can boil down Rob, the decisions that I need to make to like three or four mm. for a half, for example, and, and make the right decisions and bets on that time frame. I'm going to be most of the way successful. And then, and then there are kind of the fringe benefits that exist around those three to four decisions that if I go make and make successfully, I can get myself like most of the way successful. And so I try to really isolate what those three or four things are and be really maniacally focused on those and like, and, and delegate as best I can the other things that need to happen in order to like get the fringe benefit. So yeah, that's, but, but you have to, I think you have to identify what those things are. You have to be right. And, and, and like the way that I try to manage that, especially internally is like, we have an incredibly, an incredibly smart and hardworking leadership organization across every function. And those folks pressure test me at all times to make sure that those decisions are the right ones to make, right? And so I can't make those in a vacuum. Like I have to make those with my boss. I have to make those with our CMO. I have to make those with our chief product officer, with our, you know, with our chief technology officer, with our CFO, I have to pressure test the business against all of those folks 
and their organizations in order to make as certain a bet as we can. Um, so, you know, collaboration is key there. Yeah, I love how you said you can't make that decision of in the vacuum. You said a whole bunch of things there, man. We may not get to the other stuff I wanted to talk to because this was really interesting. You see, you got to know, you got to be right. Um, and so this goes like, I can see why your story you just gave me not too long ago about identifying something very quickly and making decisions. Yeah. Like, I, I, I'm looking at this and it's, it reminds me of the 80-20 rules what, as I listen to you. What are those three or yeah. four things, man? You know, people talk about that everywhere, but as a leader, you don't often see leaders saying like, what are the three or four things that I got to do that give me 80% of my predictability or 80% of my results? Yep. And, and one of my favorite sayings around focus is relentless focus requires ruthless filtering. Totally. And so you were talking about delegating, not just saying to hell with it. You're, you're delegating some things. You're owning some things, those things that you're going to be relentlessly focused on. Yep. Um, and any, I, and any, I'm, delegating, I'm delegating a lot of that execution work, even across some of the major items, Rob. But like nice. I am building a framework for those leaders to come back to me and tell me where we are at every step of the process. So how hard is it to identify your 80, 20 activities as a leader? I, I didn't expect us to talk about this. I'm sorry if I'm going yeah. place that's off, 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 off like what we thought we would. But I think this is a big deal. Like, I think there's a lot. We got 40,000 listeners. They're listening to you. Is that tremendous success over a sustained period of time. Yep. Um, it's easy to fall into the trap of, like, I got so many things I got to manage. But it's way harder to say, you said the three or four bets. I, I'm calling those your 80, 20 activities. Those are those three or four things that are most important for your success. Awareness is first, prioritization of those is second, and then becoming great at those is third. Yeah. How do you get aware of them? Because I see a lot of sales leaders that are working hard, but I wouldn't tell you, I think they're necessarily prioritizing the right things. Yeah, I think I, this is going to sound cyclical, but it goes back to the framework, right? Like if I'm, if I'm in a position... Rob, where I'm looking at the business every day and being really critical of it, then I'm gonna there, I'm not perfect. Nobody in this in this business is perfect. I'm still gonna miss stuff, but other people are gonna find stuff, right? And like is if we can surface all of those challenges that we see on a regular basis, then and like then I can make really informed decisions in a relatively short period of time. And if I'm taking all of that information in and synthesizing it again on a very consistent basis, then I feel like I'm way more equipped to make the decisions that have to get made and stand behind them. How important is it to... Uh how important is it to continue to reevaluate those? Do those, those are those highest priority bets, do they change from quarter to quarter or maybe even more frequently than that? Yeah. I mean, we look at them almost at least every month at the mm -hmm. at an executive level and yep. like at, at my level and below it's, it's weekly, you know, that makes total sense. So I got yeah. a whole bunch of listeners here. What I want to make sure I'm hearing you right. So tell yeah. me if 
you're not just saying this is the way we do it. This is a Zoom info playbook. You roll right. it out and go like this. No. no. Yeah. Okay. I'm, no. I'm glad you're laughing. Yeah, I was yeah. hoping that it would be comical to you to say that. For sure. Yes. There are some people that still have that company, like whatever, Acme way of doing things, the Acme yeah. way of selling yeah. the, you know, that's the problem with a playbook, man. Once you've yeah. like, once you put it in place and you roll it out, it's almost instantly dated. Yeah, yeah. No, the, I think, you know, we talked about this in our, in our initial meeting, like the yeah. difference between the framework and the playbook, I think is really important. Let's talk about that. Will you share yeah. that? Yeah, for sure. Like building, building a framework that allows a cross-functional go-to-market organization to peel back every aspect of the business allows you to be dynamic in the plays that you instrument. And so, you know, those plays might change every week, every month to drive short-term outcomes. I think the longer-term kind of 80-20 bets that you, um, you know, sort of honed in on, those, those, those bets get identified through the regular identification of things that happen in the short-term, right? And like when you see trends in the short term that continue to manifest either in similar or, or different ways over the course of a longer period of time, then you know, and if there's significant bookings dollars or revenue dollars or billings dollars tied up with those things, that's where you start to resource and where you start to move cross-functional people around to support those initiatives so that you can try to keep your salespeople doing the things that they need to do, right? Which is be on the customer or be on calls with the customer, go deliver value, go drive opportunity progression, but you can build the organization around those folks in a way that is gonna enable the change to happen in a more streamlined way when you need to roll it out more broadly. Uh, so so you, this is, for me, this is like, fun dude thank you yeah. you're, making, you're making my day man no it's good dude. but we're i hope this is going to be where we're about where i'm about to take this is something that is going to be our, our listeners pay attention to so yeah we have to revisit it but you said like for a sales leader we have to be right with our bets we also yeah. have to be right with what execution looks like for sure. say it a different way uh jim dickey has a state of the selling world that comes out every year uh i love his research and what he found was a low percentage of selling organizations feel like, or the reps at least, feel like we're good at knowing, quote unquote, what good looks like. Yeah. How, how do you intentionally stay on the lookout for what good looks like? Like, whether you're a big company like you or a smaller company, how do you find what does good look like now? Yeah. I don't really care what it used to look like six months ago, 12 yeah. months ago, whatever. How, what does it look like now? Like I always say, if you, if, you're, if you didn't sell post-COVID, I almost don't care about your sales experience. Yeah, for sure. Um, we, so I will unintentionally sell Zoom Info right now. Yeah, do it. One of the ways that we do that is we, so we acquired a company in the conversation intelligence space about a year ago now called Chorus.ai. Yep, Chorus is a great company. Yeah. And like we, when we ramp reps into our business now, one of the ways that we ramp them is with a, a select handful of calls that hit every major ramping 
um, bullet point that those people need to have as they're coming into the business, right? So like, think about a, a call reel of, you know, ramped reps, overcoming objections, delivering pricing, doing discovery, all of those really basic critical ramping, um, you know, items that new people need to be up to speed on in order to deliver value quickly. We're giving them a what's great and what does good look like now. We're giving that to them when they start, mm. and then and then when we when we reevaluate the business, we're doing the same thing, right? So if we're going to go ask our reps to pivot in some way, we will literally give them examples through chorus of calls where that's happening really well and calls where that's not happening really well. And the managers take that and reinforce them on you know, team huddles that they have on a regular basis. So just giving them the visibility and giving them the for example is, is hugely important in that process. I think that every single person can learn from that. So is there like something you would suggest to our leaders? We've talked about all things around execution, adapting, you know, continuing to be really like, hey, steady as she goes, this is what good looks like now. This is what good looks like now. Yeah. Any advice you give our listeners? Is there like one or two things you'd say, hey, if you're not doing this, do this. Try, try these one or two things out because they've been really helpful. Listen to the calls that your reps have. Talk about that for a minute. <laughs> What I think, I think happens is as, as leaders become more detached from the business, you, it is really easy to say to oneself, hey, like I'll let the managers do the rep coaching because that's what we're paying them to do. What I would argue about that is that in very dynamic environments where things are changing constantly, you need to have an ear to the ground yourself to really gut check some of the things that you see around high level analytics with what's actually happening in reality, mm. right? So like, listen to calls or be a part of calls, right? Like both of those things. But if you don't have time during the day to be on as many customer calls as you like, listen to them after the fact, and understand what's actually happening. Is there a best practice in choosing those? Like, do you ask reps to say, give me two or three that you really liked and give me two or three that you really were bummed about? Or is, is there like a- Yeah, I'll force, I'll force managers to go digging on it themselves. Okay. Because I want them to be, to be doing that on a regular basis anyway. And like forcing that to happen and providing a framework for that to happen is extraordinarily important. Like our CEO does it, Rob, our CEO will send me calls. No way. Yes. He will send me calls and he'll say, Tim, this is great for X, Y, Z reason, but rep a really needs to get better at this part of this call. Like, again, I mentioned top-down accountability. It's that stuff starts at the top. That speaks loudly. So yeah. for, for those people on, on the, that are listening, if you have a conversation intelligence like a chorus, um, you need to be listening to calls. And that should be one of your high value activities that you're prioritizing. I'm guessing you would say, right? Oh, for sure. Yes. In the leadership level, 
the other thing is that you can, as I think about what good looks like, right? When we, when you and I first met, one of the initiatives that we have is around enterprise expansion, right? Like, right. Topic I was going to get there. So let's yeah. go. I was going to no, get there. Sure. So let's go. No, but it's, it's like a lot of people, I think a lot of companies, it's hard if you're up market to pivot with an offering down market, you have to build a totally new sort of go to market engine and it's hard vice versa. What, what I would say, you know, around that is having the right people in the business to facilitate either one of those changes is probably the, the most important thing. But two, then again, building a framework. Like I, I brought in a new SVP of enterprise sales um, in January of this year, who runs our mid-market strategic and enterprise businesses in our install base, and he's phenomenal. Um, but one of the things that we started to pull around what good looks like, right? One of One of the execution arms that we are like really managing tightly at the rep base is getting the power. Like as you continue to do larger deals, more strategic deals, you have to way more frequently get the power. You also have to way more frequently bring in solutions consultants into your deals, specialist salespeople into your deals, like a lot of other cross-functional roles to support that larger transaction have to be involved in deals. And so, you know, when we look at call metrics through like a conversation intelligence platform, we're looking at the rep and manager levels, which percentage of rep calls have VP plus contacts on them, which percentage of rep calls um, are mentioning new products, which of them have specialist salespeople on them, what percentage have solutions consultants. So we know how to coach reps who are either hitting their number and doing it in a way that's not really prescriptive and won't scale with them or are not hitting their number and being able to have the right dialogue with those people and coach them up. So like what good looks like for us there are those things and building a framework to manage them and run that play is really important for us. That's a great story. Um, let's sit in this, we're gonna shift off of what the, the example of, of um, identifying those activities. Yeah. Because we're almost out of time. I, I, I wanted to save a few minutes for this and we're down to our last 10. I can't yeah. believe we're 10 minutes left, dude. I, I knew great. it was going to go fast with you, man. Thank you for the time. <laughs> um, thanks for joining us. You kidding me? Your, your insights are unbelievable. Um, lots of people tell me, Rob, hey, we want to go up market to your point. Yeah. Rob, we like, Sales leaders will have a focus. Like we're, we're going into the second half of the year. I, or yeah. I, I just I just had a new VP of sales start with me. And when I was asking, what, what do you care about? What are you working on? It was, hey, I think the way that I'm, we're going to hit our sales goals is we're going to move up market. Yeah. We're going to get a bigger deal size, bigger customer category. <clears throat> You've intentionally had some success with that as of late. Um, some of those cohorts of your types of, cus of customers You've gotten some pretty interesting growth in those larger categories. Um, yep. Any, can we talk for a second about any best practices? Like that's, that's a topic that a lot of people get interested in. How do I pivot up market? How do I, how do I take my, my, my stuff to a bigger customer size? Is there any, any two or three things you might say, Hey, here's a couple of things you might want to think about if you're trying to head up market right now. Yeah, in the early phase of, of doing that, I think you like you need to build a dedicated organization, right? 
um, if you're going to make that investment and if that's something that you want to do, because if you, if you go halfway there, it, it's really difficult to be successful. Like just plugging an upmarket motion into a mid-market or SMB go-to-market motion is impossible to accomplish. Um, and so I think like being intentional about building a dedicated org, even if it's smaller and the investment on a relative basis is small, build a dedicated function for it because you'll get real-time feedback. Um, and then like you better make you better make sure as an organization and as a as a leadership organization that your offering actually fits that market from both a product readiness perspective as well as a pricing and packaging standpoint, and that your reps know how to communicate that value to new buyers with new competition. Um, so like there's a lot to unpack there. But treating it as its own business is necessary because without doing that, the metrics just get blurred and you're, you won't be making decisions based on the right data sets. I have sometimes people tell me we're solving the same problem. We're just doing it at a greater scale. So it's no big deal. Would you like, would you tell people to tread carefully on a statement like that? I think it pro it might be true. You just need to, I think you need to decide pretty early whether or not you can sell that similar value proposition across an organization and you're okay still getting smaller wins, but growing the overall size of the customer footprint or if you immediately want to go up, right? I think determining that is actually the more pivotal decision because if you sell up pretty quickly, you're having a much different dialogue than if you're selling across having the same dialogue. And both of those things can be effective. You just have to decide which one is the right one for you at that point in time. Yeah, and I think one of the biggest changes is the just the number of people that have to be involved in getting a yes. Yeah. <clears throat> it, it may not be that you're solving a different problem, but the bigger right. thing is, that's why I always say tread carefully because you know, you may not need all of these people to give you their vote, but you dang well better make sure they're not trying to block what you're doing. Yeah. And, and if you're, if you're doing larger transactions, the risk of that is way greater than if you're still doing smaller transactions just across different parts of the org. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And so uh, I wanted to ask you about that because again, you've had one of the reasons you're such a great person, you're such a great person to ask these kind of things to is I, you've had so much success in all these different company sizes. What you do at, at Zoom Info, you work with a lot of different orgs, but you've seen some of that larger size have some pretty intentional growth. And a lot of people want to do that, but I think it's easier said than done. And so I like that idea, that, that advice to treat it as its own business. Yeah, I think, we, I think that's good advice. We've, we've also emanated our way into being able to sell a platform, right? And like the platform sale, Rob, as you well know, is very different from the point solution sale, but it also requires a different level of enablement for sellers. So like, as you think about a multi-product offering and being able to scale your value across different personas, you also have to look at the product organization, the engineering organization, and anything that you may potentially want to do in terms of M&A to make that, trans that transition smoother. 
That's such good. We could have had a show just on the differences in point solution sales to a platform solution sale. Yeah. Uh, but again, with as big as big as our 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 listener base is, I think the idea because it's not unusual for people to say, "Let's try and move upstream right now." I, yeah. I'm hearing it a lot. Yep. Even more than usual lately, I'm hearing it all the time right now that people yeah. want to go get those big deals, and so treat it as its own business as one. Um, understand like the way that you, that you talked about understanding how the product works inside the organization is going to be different. But I think that third one, the way you enable and equip needs to change as well. Any final thoughts around that before we start to wrap things up with our four minutes that we've got left, which I can't believe we're almost out of time. Yeah. Make, I mean, make it a priority as we were making that pivot, we had to make it very digestible for our sales organization to communicate value on a single slide, right? Like as you make, as you make the kind of point solution to platform pivot, like some of the early decks that we were working on to communicate value were just vast. And what our new enterprise sales leader who came in, you know, in January of this year, I mentioned him before, he was like, look, we have to do this on one slide. And we have to make it dead simple for our customers to understand why we're having this conversation and then equip through pricing and packaging our ability to go streamline the, the closing process and the pricing process of this kind of new elongated sales process. So it's, you know, make it a priority, but also do your best to make it dead simple and then recruit the right people into the business who have that experience, right? Like th those are critical. All right, dude, this has been killer. I'm going to start to wrap this now. I'm going to ask you three questions that I ask everybody here in a second. I'm going to give you a chance to put some final thoughts together for our, our, our audience. Yeah. But before I do, how do they get more of you? How do they get more of Zoom Info? I mean, if someone wants to continue this conversation with you, how, how do they do that? How do they, how do they find more, more Tim? Yeah, um, go to zoominfo.com and either fill out a lead form uh, in which case, if you don't hear back from a sales rep in under 60 seconds, please give me a call because we better get back to you in 60 seconds from you submitting a lead form. Um, so either that, or you can reach out to me directly, timothy.strickland, uh, S-T-R-I-C-K-L-A-N-D at zoominfo.com, or give me a call on my mobile 650-223-9888. Dude, I love it. And, and, and I'll, I'll echo how I started. I, I think that what you guys are doing at Zoom Info is amazing. And uh, people ought to check out what you're doing. But let's come back and circle up this conversation now. Yep. Um, any, any final thoughts for our 40,000 listeners as we've talked about change and a steady hand and adapting and knowing what good looks like? Any, any final thoughts, any one or two things you'd like to really say, hey, make sure you're, you're thinking about these things? be way more critical on the business than you are right now. Hmm. And like be, be more critical to the point of like extreme uncomfortableness um, or uncomfortability, whatever, whatever the right, uh, whatever the word is, is there. Um, like now. And I think, as I mentioned, history major, okay. um, but, <laughs> but seriously, like be, be really, really critical of the business. And when you think like you're being, when you think you're being critical enough, take it two more steps. Because I think even as it goes back to the moving up market, like I feel like there are so many organizations that are under optimized for what it is that they're doing. Rob, that if they, if they leaned into the stuff that they're doing right now, they'd probably find way more growth way faster. 
Okay. This has been awesome. You ready? You got, you ready for rapid fire? Three questions real fast. I'm ready. Okay. Number one, biggest sales leadership challenge you see and, and how do you beat it? Um, again, I think it's resource management and resource management. I, yeah. And I think it's making sure that you have the right people pointed at the right set of activities to drive the outcomes. And the only way you do that is again, just be relentlessly critical. Love it. Number two, You've been building teams for a while, man, and you've you've built a get a great one. When you're building a team and you're participating in the interviewing process, do you have like an interview go-to concept or question that has been helpful to you? And when you leverage it, what are you looking for? Yeah, I I love, and this is like pretty obvious, I think, but the tell me about a time when, right? When you kind of pose a problem which is a problem that hopefully that interview candidate is prepared to solve for your potential organization, mm -hmm. their response or the level of specificity in their response, Rob, tells me a lot. Mm. Like I, I want to know really intricate details of how you've solved that problem. Otherwise I know other people solved it for you and you're probably not going to be the person who I want to have in the organization at that point in time. Love it. That's a really good one. Thank you. Last one. We found that uh, the best leaders never stop growing, man. They never stop learning. They never stop, stop digging. And so, you know, there's a, there's a kind of a quote that I subscribe to that leaders very often are readers. And I don't care if you're turning pages or listen to audibles or if it's reading blogs or, or listening to podcasts, is there some, something that you would recommend to our leaders that they consume as part of their leadership journey? Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> A lot of the things that I talked about today were around a framework. Yep. If you, if you read Cracking the Sales Management Code. Jason Jordan. Yeah, like he basically lays out a framework that most organizations can use and then adapt from there. So I, like, I, would, I would recommend that highly. Okay. Dude, this was killer. Thank you so much for joining us. I, I knew yeah. it would go fast. I knew I was going to like you. I knew I was going to be like really impressed with your insights, but you outperformed in every single category today, brother. So thank you. Congrats on your success. And thanks for joining our leaders. And, you know, so, so for everyone listening, his name is Tim Strickland. He's the chief revenue officer for, for Zoom Info. They are doing amazing things, helping sales teams all around the world find their next, uh, their next wins. And, and, and he's doing it by never stopping having the ability to show people what good looks like now. And if you follow that playbook and if you follow some of those insights, you'll be able to do the same thing with similar success. So Tim, thank you for joining us. I appreciate you sharing your insights. And as I say to everyone, my friends, happy selling. Thanks, Rob. Hey everyone, welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, this podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United, part of the Jepson Performance Group. Listen, our job as sales leaders is hard, really hard, and there aren't a lot of resources for sales leaders to turn to. The fact is most companies that spend millions in sales training, sales tools, sales process, and salespeople spend virtually nothing for sales leadership process, sales leadership training, and the only sales leadership tools usually are rolled up dashboards. And while it's true that companies should do more to develop the leaders on our teams, 
The fact is they don't most of the time. And that's why I created Sales Leadership United. It's the world's largest collection of sales leadership assets and resources. Whether you're a new sales leader or one that's been leading teams for years, you're going to find all kinds of tools to help you create more impact with those you lead faster. You can find it on Patreon, and it's like a Home Depot for sales leaders. You're going to find video excerpts of this and all our podcasts in three to five minute segments, all tagged and organized by topic to help you in your sales leadership journey. You'll find some of my very best content, over 100 hours of sales leadership training materials, sales meeting materials, leadership and one-on-one coaching systems, and much, much more. New materials added every single week, and you're going to find everything you need to become an elite sales leader in Sales Leadership United. People join because of the comprehensive nature of the assets that are there, and they stay because we're so good at keeping it current with things that people are using to win all around the world right now. So don't go reinventing sales leadership. Invest in yourself. You're worth it. For the cost of lunch, you could be tapping into the proven training and techniques that are used by some of the most successful sales leaders in the world. Head over to Sales Leadership United today and find out why so many people are going there right now. I also want to thank each of you, our listeners. More than 40,000 people download this show each month, and the show just keeps growing faster and faster. It's mind-boggling to me that the show is now being listened to by so many leaders in so many countries all around the world. And many of you have told me you've listened to every single one of the nearly 200 episodes. And that fires me up. I love hearing the stories of how the show has helped each of these different people in their own sales leadership journeys. The stories fire me up and I love hearing them. So thank you because there is no show without you. I do this only because I love the sales leadership community and I'm so grateful that so many of you have found this show helpful. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Your support of this show has been humbling and inspiring and I'll keep bringing killer guests to each of you each week, just like the one we had today. What a great conversation with Tim. Zoom Info has had amazing growth, and the opportunity to have Tim share some of his insights was fantastic. But the timing of this conversation couldn't have been better because so much change is happening in sales right now. And when change comes, yes, there's lots of opportunity, but it also requires strong leadership. As change happens, we have to raise our game as sales leaders. So I hope you are intentionally doing that right now. Change is one of those times when you see the difference between management and leadership really shining, okay? Managers are really good at keeping the things in between the guardrails. They're good at keeping the train on the tracks. Leaders are much different though. They have influence. They influence where those tracks go. They influence how fast the train goes down the tracks, and they influence what that experience on the train is like all along the way. What that means is we can't be one of those leaders that says, I'm in the numbers business. It reminds me of a time when I was a young sales rep selling enterprise software to financial institutions. My leader's famous mantra was, hey, everyone, sales is just a numbers game. I don't believe that's the case anymore. Uh, And and unfortunately, I still meet lots of sales leaders that think sales and sales leadership is just a numbers game. The focus on sales as a numbers game has led to buyers being overwhelmed by sales tech that creates at-scale selling activities. The result has been overwhelmed buyers. That's created skeptical buyers. Buyers who have built fortresses around themselves and made it increasingly hard to stand out and get access to them. 
It's also created salespeople that think the answer is to just keep pushing the more button. But that's also not true. For sales leaders, we have to look through a different lens and we need to be doing that right now. Because sales leadership isn't about the numbers, it's about people. We're in the people business. And the great leaders, the elite ones, they all know this. First and foremost, we are in the people business. And that's one of the reasons I loved this conversation with Tim. His success has come as he's built what he referred to as a culture of execution. And it isn't just how many activities the members of his team do. That's a 10-year-old approach to sales leadership. I call that spreadsheet leadership, and it just isn't effective today. In our modern day of selling, that's just not what we need to be focused on. We need to be focused on the people. Once you realize you're in the people business, you will change how you lead. Tim's team has had amazing success because of the commitment to creating an environment where every motivated member of the team can thrive. They are committed to excellence in how they execute, and that means they're always evaluating a couple of things. I hope you caught them as he shared them with us. One of them is understanding why things work or don't work. They aren't just grinding. It's the opposite. They're growing. They're expanding. They're becoming better. And this leads to a different understanding of the reasons why they do the things they do. Because it's easy to take things for granted in the good times. But that can leave us scratching our heads in the challenging times saying, huh, what just happened? So make sure you take Tim's advice and learn to be understanding uh, why customers respond the way they do, be it positively or negatively. Another one Tim mentioned as a key understanding point was making sure every member of the sales team knows what good looks like. Now, this has been a challenge for a long time. Uh, people pay lip service to it. I used to call it, can we model awesomeness? Can we model what awesome looks like? My friend Jim Dickey has done a report on the state of the selling world for a long time. I think it's like 25 years now he's been doing it. And he discovered 12 behaviors associated with what he calls world-class sales organizations. Only 6% of the teams he studied have achieved the status of world-class. One of the behaviors of world-class is the reps on their team report a clear, externally defined understanding of what good looks like for all of their sales activities. And 94% of the reps working for those 6% of teams achieving world-class status they report that they have crystal clarity on what good looks like for all of their selling activities. That's a small group. 94% of the reps that are on the 6% of the teams that achieve world-class status, one of the things they point to is we know what good looks like for every activity we do in sales. I want you to compare that to about, for the rest, the non-world-class teams, one, one in three, about 33% know what good looks like. So most have no clue what good looks like. All they get is told, do more. And then we celebrate activities. I'm just, I'm, I'm becoming more and more convinced that activity-based sales leadership is something we should be moving away from. And we should be moving to impact-based sales leadership. Tim's example with his team, it, it was really cool to me to, let, to have him pull back the covers and share. It, it, it's one of, his team is one where an emphasis on understanding what good looks like has led to execution that resulted in consistent growth, regardless of the market conditions. There were several places he gave us really great insight on how to execute better. Here, I'll go through fast. You can go through and listen to him again. One was how to, uh, one was how to spend time in a way that turns resources in, um, turns time into a resource that you use as a competitive advantage. Another one was why frameworks are greater than playbooks in the modern day of selling. But I loved how he finished. Make sure the people that are, that are leading the reps 
the execution there is do you know how to coach? He spent some time emphasizing, I make sure everyone knows how to coach because there is a massive uh, difference between conversations and coaching. I see it every day. Coaching is not training. I, I just had one of my clients that was scratching uh, scratching her head saying, well, the, the training for the reps is, is, I want different training for reps. Well, coaching is not training. Training is different than coaching. Training is about achieving com common knowledge. Coaching is about achieving common practice. And I meet leaders every day who claim they want to be elite. They say they want to be elite. But what I found is success in our leadership roles is never about silver bullets. You're never going to get a silver bullet that solves a problem. The only way you're going to be elite is if you change what you prioritize. And too many of us prioritize what's happening coming from above, like our leaders or the the, you know, if you're a sales manager, the sales VP, if you're the sales VP, it's a CRO. If you are the CRO, it's the board or the CEO or the investors, right? We got to start prioritizing our people, prioritizing how you help those people execute with intention. So stop making it a numbers game and start making it a people game. Spreadsheet leadership will never help you create life-changing years. So connect to those individuals on your team. Help them understand why. Help them know what good looks like. But most of all, engage in a way where they know you have their best interests in mind. Because then, and only then, will you become a legendary leader for those you work with. So Tim, my man, thank you so much for joining me. I love your insights and I love your willingness to share them with sales leaders all around the world. Congrats on your success. You've built an incredible team and I can't wait to see what comes next. If you haven't connected with Tim, be sure to do so. He's a fantastic sales leader and one who's happy to help others if you reach out. And there's no surprise why Zoom Info has done so well. His leadership approach is something we could all learn from. So connect with him, follow his content, apply his advice and his frameworks, find ways to execute just a little better because if you can do that with every member of your team, uh, and you can connect with people on your team the way Tim suggested. They will execute far more effectively as a result. Finally, thanks to each of you, our listeners. If you liked this episode, please give us a five-star review on iTunes. It goes a long way in helping me get the best guests in the world on our show. Now, many of you are asking me how you can help support the show. You can do it two ways. The first is to check out Sales Leadership United. For the cost of lunch, you can make an investment in yourself that will be a game changer. But the easiest way you can support us is to share this episode with your friends and colleagues. Share the show with someone who needs to hear it. And then be elite. Live strong. Chase your passions. And don't worry. Just execute. Because we got you. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.